First Timothy chapter three, would you turn there please? Tonight we're gonna to take just a few moments along with the PowerPoint to share with us a little bit about the local church. Everyone who gets saved gets saved because of three factors, God's word, God's spirit, and God's body, the local church. The job of the church is to get the gospel to the whole world. That's the job of the church. You might think, oh no, that's so I can have a place to take my kids for Transformer Kids Club. You know why we have a Transformer Kids Club? Because kids need to learn how that their life is about Jesus Christ and getting the gospel to the whole world. You know why we have a basketball tournament? In part because God's been good to us. He's been giving us everything and we ought to love him and live for him. That's what those young men need to figure out real quick. It's, it's not about you, it's about him, and it's about the local church getting the gospel to the ends of the earth. That's why we're here. When you think church is about you and think it's about me and it's about what I like and what's my comfortability and how whatever the situation might be, I think we've got some stinking thinking going on. Because the church is God's way to get the gospel, the word of God, so that God's spirit can bring conviction of sin to bring people saved. I think everybody who ever gets saved gets saved directly or indirectly because of the local church that did its job. I want to be a part of a church that does its job. We're doing a lousy job, but I want to just keep working on it till we get better and better, till we can get in sync with the Holy Spirit and God to get the gospel to more people. And if you're not careful, you and I will get overwhelmed with our own stuff and we'll be nearsighted. We'll only see what, uh, what affects us, what's happening in our world, and we won't see what God's doing for the whole world. And by the way, prayer, two things are birthed out of prayer. Number one, a vision to see what God's trying to accomplish and a passion to do it. Something many of us are missing, and I'll, I'll put myself on that boat. When someone learns to pray, two things that prayer brings is a vision to see things God's way, what he's trying to accomplish, and a passion to do whatever he's put on our hearts to do. What's his vision? And that's why all of us need to pray. Boy, you're praying husbands, praying wives, praying teenagers, praying single adults, praying senior citizens. Everybody ought to be a prayer warrior for God. And, uh, and certainly we want those two things. Uh, the Bible says, the entrance of thy word giveth light and giveth understanding to the simple. One thing we all need is understanding. And there's three things that a pastor, when he preaches, he's trying to accomplish. Number one, he's trying to get knowledge transferred. And that's, that's the what that we're supposed to do. Number two, we want to communicate wisdom. Wisdom is the how to do the what. We know what to do. Now, how do I put that in place in my marriage? I know what to do. How do I put that in place in witnessing to someone? I had a man stop me last night after Hammond Bible Institute class, and he said, he said, Pastor, can you just, I, I went to give a guy a track, and it didn't go too well, and probably it doesn't matter who gave that guy a track, it wouldn't go too well. But he said, you know, I want to ask you, show me how you might communicate with someone to give them a track that they might be more receptive to accept it. We talked about that. Well, he knows he's supposed to be a soul winner. Now he's thinking about how, what's the wisest way that I could get the gospel to someone? So we're, we're learning what to do. We're learning how to do it. But also God wants us not only to have knowledge and wisdom, but he wants us to have understanding. And that's why we're doing what we're doing. The why. Now, some of us in our day and age, it's just something we don't even know why we do it. Some girls dress modestly, but they don't know why. Some girls have figured out, you know what, I think I need to, I need to dress like I'm supposed to, but they don't know, they're not learning the answers why. 
People might know they're, they're supposed to be a, a soul winner or why we, but, but they don't know why we do. We don't know why we keep the songs like we sing them without trying to get into a worldly set. Why do we do that? We ought to have a why for everything, and it ought to be a biblical why to some extent from the understanding that we have from God's Word. Well, I want you to understand a little bit tonight about the local church. What is its purpose? Why does it exist? What are we trying to accomplish? Why did God leave the church on the planet? And who, what it is. And, and I want to speak to you a little bit about that. And just like everyone who gets saved, gets saved because some, a local church did its job to get the gospel in their heart, and the Holy Spirit does His job to bring conviction of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. A balanced Christian, a strong Christian, will equally have those three elements in their heart and life. A right relationship with the Bible. What you and I do with the Bible determines what God does with us. Number two, we will be sensitive to respond obediently to the impulses of the Holy Spirit. Boy, you need a diet of the Word of God, and you need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit uses the Scriptures. It's kind of like the Holy Spirit's our general contractor for building our life. And He uses the Word of God and the local church to do it. You want to grow strong in the Christian life, stay devoted to the Word of God, and stay faithful and involved in the, in the work of God, the Lord Jesus' church, and you're going to find the Spirit of God is going to have much more liberty to direct you. But nowadays, of course, people get away from the Bible, we get away from the Holy Spirit, and we get away from the local church. They tell me that only 8% of churches in America have a Sunday night service, not just Baptist churches, but any church. Many churches do not have a midweek service. I want to just commend you and say thank you for being here on a Wednesday night. I'm so grateful for the participation. We've got hundreds of people out with our Transformer Kids Club, but I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for being faithful. And, and your presence and your participation means a lot to the house of God. But there's several verses that talk specifically about the church, and I want you to see them. But let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 3 first, and we'll look at verse number 14. The Apostle Paul is in the Roman, in the Roman house arrest, and he writes his first letter to Timothy. And uh, he tells us why he writes it in this passage of Scripture. Verse 14, he said, These things I write unto you, hoping to come unto you shortly, because I think I'm going to get out of this, this, uh, this uh, incarceration here in this thing, and I hope to get where you are. However, if it takes me a while, if I tarry long, verse 15, read it with me, that thou mayest know thou, how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, the pillar and ground of the truth. So he says, but if I don't get there soon, I want you to know how to behave yourself in the house of God, which is the what? Church. By the way, what is the church? Is it the building? No, it's not the building. Is it a denomination? And we'll say, well, what's the church believe about this? It really doesn't matter what the church believes about that. You need to find out what God believes about it. What does the Bible say about that? And the truth of the matter is the church is, it's, it's a group of called out believers who have been saved and baptized, who have voluntarily joined themselves to a local body for the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's really what we're, what we're here for. And if you think we're a social club just to meet your financial, your, your family needs, that, that's not what a church is about. Now, that happens in a church. But really, our focus is to get together with the Holy Spirit of God and take the gospel to the ends of the earth. 
That, I think, if you can find a church like that and stay in it, you'll find yourself much richer when you stand before God one day. You'll find yourself much more stimulated to do something with the Lord. Well, that's one of the reasons we have a church. And here the Apostle Paul said it's the pillar and ground of truth. It's the foundation, rock, bed of what we believe. Now, verse 16 tells us who should be, uh, who is the church all about? And it is a who, it's not a pastor. It's not you and it's not me. But who is the, the church about? Verse 16, follow along with me and let's look at it and read it with me, would you please? And without, great is the mystery of God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the, and seen of angels and preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world and received up to the glory. Tell me who that's about. Jesus. Jesus is God manifest in the flesh. He's the one who has been recognized in the heavens by angels and recognized on the earth and preached unto the world and received up into glory. So the church is not about you. It's not about me. It should be about him. If you think the church is about you, you'll get offended and quit. If you realize it's about him, you'll stay faithful. One of the things I love about discipleship is because people need a bigger reason to come to church than a personality like a pastor or a Sunday school teacher. They need a bigger reason than property, than programs. They need a bigger reason uh, than fellowship. They need Jesus. When you get to know God's word, you get to know Jesus. And then if someone offends you at the nursery counter, you can get over it. If someone snubs you and doesn't shake your hand, you, you can deal with it. It's all right. I didn't come here for them anyway. Someone borrows money from you and then disappears and never pays you back, you can figure it out. Because Jesus never fails. Our focus is upon the person of Jesus. Let's look at a couple of verses. I want you to look on the screen, if you would, please. I think we have these. Acts chapter 2, if you'll put that up there. And we're talking a little bit about that. Verse 47, would you look at that? Let's read it together, everyone. Praising God and having favor with all the people. If you join a church, you want to make one, one thing for sure. The Lord puts you in that church. If you ever decide to leave a church, you better make sure that God is directing you. I think God does lead and, and lead some sheep from one flock to another flock. He can do that. He's the chief shepherd. He has every right to move anyone from any flock to another flock for his own purposes. And usually for fostering benefit and strength. I think that's his job. I'm just a mere under-shepherd with one church. He's the chief shepherd. He sees every church. He has all the flocks under his care. Occasionally, he'll even move one shepherd from one church and put him in another flock for his own purposes. He'll have to remove a shepherd and, and say, you know what, this one needs something else here. I don't like that. I think if I look at the New Testament, you saw, you see that with regularity. You see Paul, as he begins 1 Timothy, he says, Now I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus. So you charge some that they teach no doctrine. He was Paul talking to Timothy. Timothy, do not leave Ephesus. You stay there and you make sure they stay on the right track doctrinally. Then you look over at chapter 2 and he says, or excuse me, 2 Timothy, chapter 4, he says, Now, do thy diligence to come to me in a hurry. Get here before winter. Stop by and pick up my coat. I left it at Troas. Make sure you get that with Carpus. And go get John Mark and bring him with you. I'm sure the church at Ephesus says, where's our pastor going? You know, 
Well, he's gone. <laughs> Somebody else has to step up and someone else has to figure it out. Some of the things we find in God's word. Here it is, Philip in the middle of a revival, pastoring now probably hundreds of people in Samaria. And guess what happens? The angel of the Lord came and says, you need to go out to the desert. They didn't have a choice. They had to figure out what to go, where to go from here, what to do. And God sent him and took him out to the desert to reach one Ethiopian man. You know why? Because God can, he's sovereign. He does whatever he wants to do. He can move people. Here's what I would say. Never move unless you know God is moving you. It gets very lonely when you have to scratch your head. Because here's what's going to happen. You stay in the church God has you. And you might have to stay through some very difficult times. That sometimes happens. And I'm so grateful for that. But you stay and you be faithful and you work through things. And normally God doesn't transition you out in trouble. He transforms you through trouble. So when people, they have a problem. And I'm out of here. I'm out of here. And I'm, and I'm just telling you real quickly, it doesn't matter if you stay or go. In six months, you're going to have a, a very difficult trial. I'm just saying six months. It could be a year. It could be 10 months. It could be three years. But somewhere along that while, you're going to have a difficult trial. And all you want to know in that trial, whether you stay or go, is that I'm right smack in the middle of God's will for my life. Because it is very lonely whenever you took yourself out of a flock, or you went someplace you shouldn't have gone, you didn't have, you didn't have the direction of God. You had ideas, you had some offense, you had a bitterness, you had something you had to do. You do that, and it gets very lonely and head-scratching when you hit a problem. And it doesn't mean when you have a problem, you don't have any problems. It's not, it's easy. But it's much better when you know you're where God wants you to be through that difficult time. Well, the, the church is that way. So you want to make sure that the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Let's look at another passage of Scripture, Acts chapter 20, verse number 28. Here we have the Apostle Paul is on his way to Jerusalem. And he's standing on the shores of Miletus and he's looking into the eyes of men that he had trained in the school of Tyrannus. He had spent longer than any other missionary journey at the city of Ephesus and any others. It wasn't an easy journey for him. Matter of fact, there was lots of great blessings, but there's lots of difficult times. And he tells them about it in Acts chapter 20. So he's standing there on this, his boat is getting ready to take off. And he and seven other men, uh, Aristarchus and Segundus and Gaius, and those guys are all with him, getting ready to make their way to Jerusalem to bring their love offerings and their testimonies of salvation. They're getting ready to get on the boat and to go, but he has called for the Ephesian pastors to come, and here's one of the things he tells them. He does tell them in this passage of Scripture, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. He tells them that. He tells them that... Um, he says, uh, I know that the God wants me to go and I'm going to finish my course with joy in the race that he set before me. But here he looks him in the eye and here's, I think, a very strong, uh, a strong admonition. Read it with me, would you please? Take heed, therefore, unto, unto all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God. Just a reminder, this right here, he said, look, guys, number one. If you're leading a Sunday school class, you're leading a church, you're a pastor, he, he, he told them you're a spiritual leader, first of all, take care of yourself. Like you get on an airplane, they always tell you, you know, we don't expect a loss of cabin pressure. But in case that happens, four oxygen masks will fall from your roof above you, and you need to take one and put it on yourself. If you're traveling with a child or someone acting like a child, uh, put it on yourself first, and then 
be free to assist others. Because if you go around the plane and cabin pressure loses and you start putting on everybody else, what's going to happen to you? You're going to pass out yourself. You're going to be laying in the aisle. They'll be walking over you as they exit the plane. And uh, you'll be gone. You'll lose oxygen yourself. He says, first of all, you've got to take care of you. Then you need to feed the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you an overseer. Uh, he's made you a bishop. And the Bible term for an overseer is a bishop, somebody who oversees or an elder. And then you're going to feed and lead. You know, it's kind of the pastor's job, feed and lead. Our job is to follow and swallow <laughs> and uh, take, take the things that, that, that God has led us to do and continue on that way. But then it's a beautiful verse. It says, if we put it back up there, see it again just real quickly. I love this part. This is a, a verse for the deity of Jesus. Notice, to feed the church of whom? God. Which he hath purchased with his own. So whose blood came out of Calvary? Jesus. And according to this verse, Jesus is? You better believe it. It's a good verse. But here he tells us, he said, look, it's, it's, if, it's a, if God gave his blood for the church, you and I ought to be in church. By the way, if you're watching online and you could be here, you should be here. Get out of your pajamas and come to church. That's what God wants us to do. If he gave his blood for the church, you ought to be all in. All of us, all the way. Continuing on for the Lord. Well, with that in mind, I want to talk to you just for a few moments about why it might be a good idea for you to get wholly involved in the house of God. Uh, five reasons. I'll give them to you real quickly. Let's look at the first one if we can. And that's going to be identification. When you get involved in the house of God and when you join the church and you get involved with it, you're saying, I'm with Jesus and I'm with his body. I'm associating with Christ and I'm associating with the body of believers in my local area. I do believe it's important that you identify with Christ. Now, there are people who do not believe in the local church today. They do not believe in that. They believe in an invisible church. I don't think God believes in the invisible church. It will be visible one day when he calls us together. But I think right now he sees every church as a unique flock for God. He, he references that in the book of Philippians. He represents that to the churches of Asia, the churches of Macedonia, the churches of Achaia. So he understood there's not, not ever, it's not just one big conglomerate. That's going to happen one day. And I'm glad the church, it, it works together. It learns together. Um, it loves together. It lives together. And one day we can lead together. That'll be good. And when we leave, we'll find out. Of course, the Apostle Paul tells the church at Thessalonica that this we have by the word of the Lord, that not all of us will sleep. And we know the Lord Jesus is coming one day. He's coming physically. He is coming visibly. We'll be able to see him. He's coming personally. He's not sending someone else to get us. He's going to come get us. He's coming gloriously. And then he's coming to get us. And then the church is going to assemble with him. That's when everybody will be together. In the meantime, we're in local assemblies. And that's the way God planned it. And whenever you join and you get involved in a local church, which all of us should do, I don't think there's any mavericks in the Christian life. God made us. He didn't say you're lions, tigers, and bears. Oh, my. No. He said you're sheep. Sheep need to be together to be functional. You take a sheep and you just say, well, you know, I'm done with this flock. I'm heading off by myself, you know. You know what that guy's going to become? Lunch. He's going to get eat up out there. I need you, you need me, we need each other, 
And together we can do more. It's like the team acrostic. Together everyone accomplishes more. And God wired us that way to be together. And when I get involved, I'm saying I'm with Jesus and I'm with you. And you're with me. We're identifying with each other. Number two, and, and there are verses I've given you there, and we can look at that another time. But let's go look at the next one. And that is, it's a place of instruction. It's a place where I'm instructed for Jesus. I'm not only identifying with Jesus, now I'm submitting myself to be taught. Taught what to do, how to do it, why to do it. It's a place where I'm saying, okay, I'm going to learn things. How to manage my money, how to love my wife, how to reverence my husband, how to obey my mom and dad how to manage my finances, how to, how to be a good employee, how to be a good son, a good brother, a good sister, uh, a good neighbor, how to witness to people, how to disciple converts. It's a place where I'm instructed for Jesus. You see a couple of the verse there uh, in Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by. Yeah, the more we understand God's word, now, the hearing there is not just audible. We have numbers of deaf people throughout our building today who are seeing Miss Debbie sign for them, and they're, they're not able to hear me. Uh, they, they're, they're watching, and they're taking the things that she's saying and, and communicating to their, into their, uh, to their understanding. That's why the Bible says, faith cometh by hearing. It's not talking about audibly, but it's talking about grasping, understanding. And hearing by the Word of God, understanding what the Bible says. That's how someone gets saved. By the way, when you witness to someone, don't rush them through the gospel. Seek for their understanding. Help them understand. If they don't understand, it's no sense in trying to keep pushing them to accept something that is not, that's, not, that's not clear to them. I think it's very wise that we understand your goal in witnessing to people is not to get them through it but to get, to get the understanding, to give them clarity. I think it's very wise to say, is there anything that, that's not clear that I share with you, or is there a point that I need to help you with? It's okay. You're not trying to get one. You're trying to give the gospel. You don't get anybody. It's the Holy Spirit that has to bring conviction of sin, of righteousness, and judgment, but your job and my job is to give clear understanding about that. Try to make sure it's clear. If they say something, oh, yeah, you know, I'm not that bad of a person. Well, that person needs a lot more understanding. They don't want to get saved. They think they don't need to be saved. Have a lady coming on Sunday morning, Brother Moffat and I, we had the chance to kind of talk to her. Brother Moffat kind of set me up and gave me a chance to talk to her. But her first thought was, yes, I'm going to heaven. I've chosen an occupation that ministers to people. I don't, I, I'm going to change diapers. I'm going to help people in a hurting time. I'm, gonna, I'm giving myself to minister to others. So, yes, I'm going to heaven. I, I'm a good person. Is that person ready to be saved with that understanding? Why do they need Jesus if they're such a good person? You know what they needed? They need to understand. There's none good. No, not one. That we're all violators of God. So we're trying to get the gospel to, through them. But at church, we're understanding uh, because the just shall live by faith. Faith is the most important thing about us. If we don't have faith, if we don't understand God's, if we're not, we don't hear God's word, we don't get it, we're not going to grow in faith. And uh, the Bible says without faith, it is our church cannot please God without faith. You can't please God without faith. Because we accept him for eternal destiny. You think about the way we give to missions is called faith promise giving. 
Some of you made commitments a few weeks ago, and you're scared to death. I'm not sure I can do it this year. I'm not sure. I didn't know that this was going to happen. I didn't know eggs were going to be $6 a dozen. I didn't know this was going to, man, all these things are happening to me. Whoa, I'm not sure. Maybe I can't do that. And once again, we live by faith. You get on your knees. You pray, God, please provide. Show, give through me. Will you not give to me? Help me with this situation. Help me not to, to be tempted not to tithe when I should, when I should be faithful to do it. Uh, help, me to be, help me be honest with you. Help me to have faith in you and trust in you. You'll find that God will always meet his end of the bargain. But he needs faith, and faith is fostered from the word of God. Acts chapter 2, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and a fellowship and prayers and breaking of bread. Uh, there, he, it was a place where they received instruction and from God's instruments. And remember, we're laborers together with God. And Christ is our foundation, and God gives us many other people that have helped us. I was uh, called, a, called a pastor today, and, I, and he's a new to his post, but has a very difficult, uh, difficult uh, transition. I called him and talked to him about him and his family, and we prayed together, and, and uh, it, that was fine. But about, I don't know, two hours later, he said, you know, I hope God has given you men in your life to help you like you just helped me. And the truth of the matter is, he has. He's given me many people to help me along the way. God's ministers instruct and help us. So it's a place of, in, of identification. It's a place of instruction. Number three, it's a place of involvement. It's a way that I get involved. You'll never enjoy the blessings of the, of the gift of the local church until you get involved with that. There's a statement that we made as teachers years ago. You tell me and I'll forget. You show me, I'll remember. But if you involve me, I understand. Learning to get involved in the work of God. So many folks are just happy to sit on the sidelines and watch the world go by. But God wants you in the game. There is a job for you to do. And don't find yourself, if you find yourself just sitting and observing, you're going to find yourself get critical, divisive, contentious. It just works that way. And I never, I, I've changed many tires in my life, my uh, tires because of flat tires and so forth. But you know what? I didn't change those tires. I didn't become good at changing a tire by someone telling me how to change a tire. You could tell me how to change a tire. I don't think I'd do it. If you showed me how, I still think I would, I would struggle. You know how you learn to get good at changing tires? By doing it. My beautiful mom, she's probably watching this. I need to be careful about this particular uh, the illustration. My mother... Growing up, she would make something called biscuits and gravy. Some of you folks from the north, you don't understand it. It was manna from heaven. I love biscuits and gravy. I love the way my mom made it. But uh, when I got married, my wife decided she was going to figure out how to make biscuits and gravy. And she didn't learn how to do it by being told how to do it. She watched my mom do it and put the flour in and the, the, the sausage grease and the milk and stirring it. She watched my mom do it. And uh, she did a pretty good job early on. But right now, mother, please turn off this right here. <laughs> Mom's business and gravy are great, but I'm telling you what, Linda Trump's mom. She is really good. And she's makes, I love, I love my mom's business and gravy, and she can still do a good one. She, she makes a mean business and gravy, but I love Linda's business and gravy. You know how she learned how to do that? By making it for 10 people. <laughs> many, many times. 
Some of our kids, if they like, when they come home at night, say, hey, what, what can I make for you? Biscuits and gravy. Ah, you know, that's great. We love it. But you know, she learned how to make it many times. By doing it, you do it. You know, when you get involved, you get it. You understand it. Well, you get involved in fellowship. We'll take these four, these four thoughts and we'll conclude. In fellowship. And fellowship, you know the definition of, definition of fellowship is two fellows in a ship. <laughs> two fellows in the same ship rowing together going the same way. And the truth of the matter is it's not necessarily sitting across a table with, with pie and coffee, but there's nothing wrong with that. That's very good for you to do. Fellowship is not coming over after church and just sitting around and chawing the, chawing the fat, chewing the fat. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, I imagine, too. I don't really care to chew fat myself, but if you like to do that, that's fine. But the truth of the matter is, fellowship is serving together. Boy, the people in the choir that go through hours of practice every year together, they become bonded. People in the orchestra, people in the WMS circle, people in the nursery, people, guys who work in the AV, you just work together. The truck stop ministry or the the, uh, the bus ministry or the A or the B or the C or, or this, this division Everybody working together, there's a lot of fellowship that takes place. Now we got, we're working together. By the way, it's not just going out for fellowship at, at, uh, at uh, Minor Dunn. Nothing wrong with that either. But that's not the richest form of fellowship. Fellowship is when we serve together. And if you don't serve, you don't get that. It's uh, involvement in worship. We put the Lord's Supper there, but there's so many others. It's, it's singing, you know, singing together. I love, I love singing together. I think God loves it more than we do. And it's, it's something we can do for the Lord. It's praising God together. It's, it's going to the Lord's Supper. We'll have that on February the, the 12th. I'm looking forward to sharing that that night together as we remember the Lord's death until he comes. It's worship. It's, it's praying together. You know, it's an, on, on Friday night when we come from 10 o'clock to as long as you can stay till midnight or so, we pray specifically. We're praying together. There is some... That's something we get involved in doing. Uh, I have people right underneath the floor here tonight. There are men praying tonight. Every service we preach here, somebody volunteers to pray. I think more men ought to, ought to volunteer to take one night a month or one service out of all of them that we do and go down and pray. I think it's a good idea. I think more of you could do it. I listened to one man tell me one day, he says, you know, he goes, I, I was a new Christian. I didn't know how to pray. He said, but after you go to Aaron and her and you pray with the men, you listen to other people talk to God, he said, it really let me catch on to that. Hearing other people pray taught me how to pray. Tom Williams, whenever he would have his prayer schools, he would, he would get everybody together the first night. We'd all come from all over the place, and he'd come, and he said, you know, I thought I would uh, teach you on prayer, but I think I'll just pray. And he prayed nonstop for like an hour and 15 minutes. He prayed for everybody. He prayed around the nation and around the world. He prayed for each state and pastors in those states. And he began to pray for people that were sick. I mean, all of this between him and God. Boy, after you heard him pray an hour and 15 minutes, you said, I think this guy could teach me something about prayer. Matter of fact, it was when Jesus prayed that one of his disciples, not all of them, one. By the way, there's probably about one in 12 people interested in prayer. If you announce... There's going to be a picnic at the church on Saturday, April the 17th. People will be talking, can't wait. They'll get talking next time, what they're going to bring, who's going to bring what. We'll have hundreds of people for a picnic. Have a prayer meeting, and you and three other people will be looking at each other. People just not interested. 
We, for some reason, we bought Satan's life. That's just not important. What's really important is getting in there, buddy. Let's give the hours because it's easier than to pray. It's not, it's not popular, but I think it should be a priority. I would that first of all. Get involved in a prayer meeting. Say, Pastor, I just don't care about that corporate stuff. You know, I know what you think it's important. I've had people tell me that, and they're, they're good people. But like, if I want to pray, I'll pray at home. I don't have to stop and do that at church. You know, I feel it's an awkward time for me. You know why it's awkward? Because you need to pray. <laughs> you start getting to find, the, find the, think of how God thinks about prayer, you will do that. And then in service together. The local church, one of God's greatest ideas, it's a place of identification, a place of instruction, and a place of involvement.